us tonight with Alan and Rob. I hear you have a story to share. Uh, well, I have a story that you want me to share. Um, your phone's buzzing. Just <laughs> I know I'm sitting on it, so it doesn't make the sound on the microphone. It's probably like Raspberry Beret is the, is the song that plays, I assume. No, it's, it's actually the Nokia song. You know, the... So moving on, we have a story to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- this, I think, I think it's a good one. I think it is. Um, it was something that blew my mind early in my healthcare career. I wasn't a nurse yet. Um, I was a paramedic at that point. And it's something that is actually coming to the fore maybe a bit more now. Um, but at the time, for me, it was just mind-blowing. So um, I was working in a really small ambulance station and got called in on a pager. For any of you who work ambulance, the sleeping with a pager beside you is like the worst sleep ever, right? Because it buzzes and you just shoot out of bed and you have no idea what's happening. Where are my boots? Where are my socks? Um, so anyways, middle of the night, got called for a gentleman who had fallen from a high structure in a hard-to-access area of this small town. And he had fallen quite a height. Like, we're talking 50 feet, probably. Um, and he had landed... It was difficult to, to tell the principal point of impact, but he had landed clearly face, head, face, chest uh, first, I would say, it looked like, uh, just by the looks of his body. And he was in traumatic arrest. It was very, very clear. Um, and when we got there, the there was a crew that was already there and they were doing compressions. And so as a, as a, as a good newer paramedic, like I was really new. Um, to me, it was compressions, 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 get the defibrillator on, check the rhythm. Is the rhythm um, defibrillatable? Is it V-fib, V-tac? Uh, if it is, let the AED do its thing, right? At that point, we're using AEDs and just let it do its thing. And so um, in hindsight, obviously it was not a compre- it wasn't a shockable rhythm. Um, load him into the ambulance, did compressions driving on the way to the hospital, which is, which is legal here in the way that we're set up in the back of our ambulances, um, and got to the hospital and we got to the hospital. It was a really interesting situation because the eMERGE doc that was on was from, um, was from a place where they get a ton of trauma, a ton, like his trauma skills were at an 11 out of 10. We were, he's working in a small town um, and he, he had moved here and he told us to stop compressions. And my first thought was, okay, well, this it's over. It, it, this guy was, he was such a young guy. And I thought to myself, this is crazy. Why are we stopping compressions? He's so young. And I didn't understand. But yet he kept, the eMERGE dog kept running the, the arrest. He kept going, but we were do, not doing compressions. And at that point, he did a whole bunch of stuff that I had no idea what was going on. He just started cutting into the guy's chest. Um, And I know now he was putting in bilateral chest tubes. Um, He was doing a blind pericardial synthesis. And they were flowing blood into him as fast as physically possible. And I, for the life of me, couldn't figure out what was going on. And uh, I look back on that story all the time because I think about the things I didn't know at the time and why, and how it was just absolutely mind blowing that we weren't doing compressions on this traumatic arrest. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good story. Um, so you took away from that, that pressing on a, uh, pressing on a heart that is empty probably won't change anything. Eh? Yeah. Like, I mean, so I have the benefit of hindsight now, right. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, 
a good number of years of, of more school and, and working at a really, really high volume uh, hospital. And yeah, like, so if you think about that idea of doing compressions in traumatic arrest, what's the point, mm-hmm. right? Even if it's penetrating, even if it's, if it's blunt, right? Those are your two, two main, main areas of, of traumatic arrest. I mean, so if you're pushing on a, uh, uh, an empty heart, how is that helping? That's not doing any benefit whatsoever. In, in fact, you're over top of the patient. There's a certain chaos that comes from doing compressions of the physical nature of it, the sweaty, the hotness, all that stuff that's there. That makes sense in a medical arrest. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't make sense when it comes to a traumatic arrest. You need to fix the etiology of the arrest, not pump an empty heart. All that blood could have been in his pelvis. It could have been in his chest. He could have had hemothoraxes going on. He could have had a shattered spleen. Um, it could have been TBI related, right? There's a lot of things going on. You need to fix the problem, not pump an empty heart. I like it. Yeah. So, and then the other thing to think about is, you know, it's been, you know, like I said, hindsight again, but there's also new, amazing new papers out there. Epi. What about epi? What's the benefit of epi in this guy? In traumatic arrest. Yeah. Like, what do you think? When you you hear that, you hear that story, and I say epi to you for a traumatic arrest, where does your brain go? Well, traumatic arrests are always, almost always, a breathing or a bleeding problem. That's what it is. It's really a bleeding or a brain problem. Really. They need, probably need surgical fixation. That's probably what they need. So... If in your case where someone probably landed on his chest and has uh, either a tampon ad or they have um, a dissection where they need to actually go and fix a hole or release some pressure, putting epi into uh, the body or putting a catecholamine is simply just going to cause, a fib- like a, if it worked, it would cause a, the heart to beat faster. Can you imagine trying to stitch a beating like a, a a fibrillating heart like trying to trying to actually stitch the aorta i would that, not envy that emerge doc that like, like she, that would be unbelievably difficult for her that'd be like trying to feed your daughter um broccoli when she's four years old that's like you know it's in the spoon and you're trying to put it in the mouth but the mouth keeps moving that's that, actually a pretty decent analogy yeah. right exactly so um me uh, i i think it's a shared decision thing if it's clearly a traumatic arrest uh, I won't blindly give the epi. I, my job is to anticipate the next steps. So my anticipation is, do they need to go to the OR or do we need to decompress something somewhere? So I'll actually ask, do you want to continue with the epi or do you actually want to cut? Because two different priorities there. I mean, the epi is not going to add much in this point. So deviation from standard ACLS is what I'm hearing from you. But clearly that communication with our merge colleagues, merge doc colleagues to say, hey, do you want to continue with the epi here or are we deviating from here because we're already deviating with no compressions? Exactly, right? Well, uh, medical arrest and traumatic arrest, totally different. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so how does this relate to um, working with our eMERGE doc colleagues then in reducing their cognitive load? You hear traumatic arrest rolling in. How does your role as bedside eMERGE nurse change to increase success? You know, it's a, that's actually a great question. I remember a time I was working at a community hospital and it, the exact situation happened. Medics called ahead, said they had someone that was hit by a car. 
and then the car was presumed to, uh, they hit the pedestrian as they were crossing the street. So the car's tires rolled over the patient's chest and the medics could see tire tracks across the chest. Uh, and the patient was in traumatic arrest and the, the medics felt that the patient was in tamponade uh, based on the mechanism. So we had about a five minute heads up, which was nice. So we did a whole uh, pre-brief and we assigned our roles and whatnot. And um, I remember uh, reading something. I can't remember the paper, but it was was early times talking about no CPR and traumatic arrest because you need to actually get access to the chest. Um, So I remember reading that. So I asked the team, I said, hey, are we doing compressions on this person if they are asystolic when they're coming in? Or are we doing compressions? We just need to be all on the same page. Doc was, uh, Doc actually stopped for a moment and said, you know, if it's a, if it is a blunt traumatic arrest, which this was, which was, this was, he said, I want to quickly see if there's blood in the pericardium causing a tamponade. And it makes sense given the tire tracks. So I will actually want to poke a hole and take the blood out. And that'll be the, that'll be the problem that we can fix. So imagine trying to poke a hole while the chest is moving. That's like feeding your kid broccoli. Yeah. It ain't going to work. I definitely don't want to be the compressor at that point. I mean, I'm really hoping it's a Lucas device or a whatever Zoll's version of it is. But like, yeah, I don't want to put my hands there if I'm I'm that person. Exactly. So um, I think that that just makes sense that, I mean, it's never going to be absolute. I think having the conversation and being... um, having the 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 knowledge and the understanding of the physiologic process of the reasons why you do things uh, why you don't do things um, and having the conversation when you have the time can benefit down the road so i think by understanding the physiological physiological process of why compressions might work um and asking the question beforehand makes sense i mean if you're doing compressions and you just don't, and it's your time to do it, and you just stop without asking the team, it's probably kind of like rogue. Like, I wouldn't advocate for that. But just asking the question is okay. Yeah, don't be a dipshit is what I'm, <laughs> what I'm hearing here. So, but, but when you're talking about nursing stuff, though, specifically, um, to be a great team member, I think that pre-brief is so good. And I think the major part of that pre-brief that I'm going to take is, when I look back in hindsight now, is in my, in my nursing role, is going to be, I'm going to we're going to assign roles as a team, say to whoever the, is leading this resuscitation, because um, it depends on your size of your hospital. You might have one doc, you might have zero docs, you might have three, you might have a flock of residents. Uh, it's difficult to say. It depends on the size of your academic center or, or lack of academic place. Um, but I'm going to, whoever is the team leader, are we doing compressions? Yes, no. How much epi would you like to give, if any? Next, if this is a blunt arrest, do you want bilateral chest tube set up or are you going to go for finger thoracostomies here? And what about the setup for doing a pericardial synthesis? And lastly, do you want to crack the chest if all else fails? Because that results in a massive logistical setup and framework for all this business to make sure that happens as efficiently and effectively as possible. Um, and it will result in logistics changing quite rapidly. Am I right? Absolutely. One person that uh, I heard speak once before said, uh, experts speak logistics and not the uh, not the actual nuts and bolts. And I thought that made sense because if you're speaking to the logistics, you understand the nuts and bolts such that you can apply it. 
So we want to to empower you so that you are um, an expert and you understand why CPR is not indicated in this circumstance and then prepare. Okay, are we doing a three-hole punch? We're opening the chest with two fingers and opening the pericardium. Max, I really like the logistics thing. I think that's the apex of what you've said this episode. You probably should just stop talking because it's not going to get any better. There's only down from here, bro. That's that's it. That's all you got. So I think that's that's kind of all we wanted to chat about today uh, in regards to traumatic rest and just using a bit of a story and a case from one of our careers where we look back and you see how something was maybe a bit different or what you could have learned out of that situation because if you don't examine your own experiences and think about how it could have been different, then it's tough to make it better next time, right? Which is kind of the game plan after it all. Uh, anything else to add? Or are you literally just going to sit there and be quiet? Yeah, I, he's got nothing? I don't want to ruin the moment. Oh, good, good. All right, thanks for tuning into Recess tonight. And we...